0: Well, good morning, Springwell. How's everybody? All right, Kirby is awake if nobody else is. Come on, you guys, stand up with us. Put your hands together. Let's worship. All right, here we go.
1: Lord, how You love me. I don't deserve grace on top of grace. EVER
2: You saw what you had made, said it was good The crown of all creation made to look like heaven should We were the perfect picture in your frame Then entered fear and shame to turn our colors into gray Left standing in our mess. We heard your voice and ran to cover up our nakedness. We couldn't clean it up. We tried our best. The accuser pointed fingers, questioning our worthiness. Whoa, but you don't see me dead. Reflection. Let's sing this out.
0: Celebrate Recovery Thursday night. Do any of you guys follow the royal family in England? Is anybody? Huh? Oh, we got a couple of people. Well, I don't really follow them, but the one thing I've noticed that whenever they're talking about them in the news, it seems like they always get to talking about the lineage of the family and who is an heir to the throne and who will be the heir after that person. And also, I've heard on the news, and I know you do too as well, you'll hear of a celebrity or someone really famous, uh, very wealthy, that passes away, and they have this estate that they're leaving. And they talk about the heir to the estate, who will take over the estate. Well, if you read Romans 8, which I recommend, is a great chapter. It talks about you and me and Jesus together we are all heirs of God. And that's a pretty big deal because you'll hear talk of people who have great status and their heirs by de facto have great status. So I can't think of anyone greater than God, anyone more powerful than God. And if we are heirs to God, think how important you are. Just turn to somebody right now and say, I'm a big deal. Because it's true, you are a big deal. And if you are that big of a deal, think about this. He will never leave you alone. He will never forsake you. You are that important to him. And a lot of times the devil tries to trick us, tries to deceive us, It's what he does best. And so I love the bridge of this song when it says, and that leaves me again, when the lies speak louder than the truth, Remind me that I belong to you. And when I can't see through the dark of night, remind me you're always on my side. He is there for us. He loves us and he is with us. Will you sing this with us? Because we are children of God. We are his sons. We are his daughters.
1: Creation, the God of heaven knew our name. Formed in His reflection, we are His glory on display. And His heart is good, He is always kind. He proved He's on my side We are the sons, we are the daughters of God No matter where we go, we're close to the Father's heart. And though we stumble, He will not let us fall never forsake his own We are the sons We are the daughters of God his love He lavished on us and called us children of heart is good, it
3: is always kind. The cross He is on my side. We are the sons, we are the daughters of God. No
1: matter where we go, we're close to the Father's
3: heart. He will not let us fall We are the Lord's and He will never forsake His all We are the sons We are the daughters of God
0: This is the part of that song where it says When the lies speak louder than the truth Remind me that I belong to you. I
1: speak louder than the truth. Remind me that I belong to you. When I can't see past the dark of night, remind me you're always by my side. Sing that again.
3: Christ. Nice.
0: going to go back into that just a little bit God we just thank you for this time we thank you that you love us so much we thank you that we are heirs to your kingdom we won't get to experience all of that on this side some of it you're saving for when we're there with you God the great news for us here is those who don't know you that you can know Jesus today and you can be an heir as well sing this with me we
1: are the sons we are the daughters of God no matter where we go we're close to Father's heart. And though we stumble He will not let us fall We are the Lord's And He will never forsake His own We are the sons We are the daughters of
0: When the lies speak louder than the truth
1: When the lies speak louder than the truth Remind me that I belong to you When I can't see past the dark of
4: Y'all feeling good? Yeah. After that, y'all kind of have to yell or something. Otherwise, that would have been really awkward. Um, we are, uh, we're, we're so glad you're here this morning. I do have a shadow. Um, this is Eli Neal. Everyone say, hey, Eli. Yeah. Most of you probably know Eli. He um, he and his family have been here since he was five. Um, I asked him in the first service how old his mother was when they came here. <laughs> and then I said, no, they don't answer that. Uh, but since he was five, um, the entire family serves in the church. And the reason why he is standing up here, partly because I tried to find someone as good looking as me, and I finally did it. Um, and so, I'm just kidding. Uh, but the reason he's up here is he's going on a mission trip with Spring Break, right? Spring Break, um, he is going on a mission trip to Ecuador with um, a Bible study group that that he's a voluntarily... Um, a part of. And here's, here's what he needs, he, what he needs from us. He needs um, $1,700 to go on that trip. He's going to be working with kids. He's going to be working um, some construction, stuff like that this spring break, but he needs $1,700. Um, and so what I'm up here to ask you to do is to give above your regular tithes, whatever you can, whatever you have. Um, if you could, if, if you're giving an envelope, make sure you write down there, um, Eli Mission Trip. If you're giving it the kiosk, um, make sure you touch the right button. Or if you're giving online, um, also, if you can text the word Eli to the number that's going to be on the screen in just a minute. But um, I'm just, we're just asking you to, to give above your regular tithes and offerings. At Springwell, we want to be a church that, that, that helps people serve, that helps people connect, and helps people help others. But not just inside the walls and not even inside um, our city or our community. But we want to send people out. And we want to be a giving church. And we want to be a church that, um, that is the epicenter to God doing some really, really cool things through it. And, uh, so if you could, and if you would, um, if you could give to, um, to Eli's mission trip, that would be, that would be awesome. Um, for the rest of us, um, and for those of you that are first time guests, this is part is not for you. We don't, we don't want your money. That's not why someone brought you, but for those of us that are regular tenders, it's time for us to worship through giving as well. Our regular offering, if, um, if you need to know how to give you can text the number it's about to be on the screen you can give in the bucket as it passes by you can give online in the key y'all know all of that stuff even though we repeat it every week um and so anyway but you know how you can you know how you can give remember if you're giving to Eli make sure you indicate Eli um and um if you're on the left side of the road there's a bucket under your chair you can pick that up and pass that thing to the right thank y'all for being at Springwell
5: Good morning. Good morning. How about all these uh, young folks over here? Uh, we had, Karen and I actually had eight, 15, 34, uh, uh, middle school girls uh, at our house over the weekend. And I, honestly, it was easy. I don't know why you're not volunteering to host a home. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. I'm, when I say that, I mean, I'm just as legit. Is I know how to say it, uh, and so you might ask, why would you do that? Uh, Karen volunteered. <laughs> no, listen. Uh, we we need to do everything we can to support every ministry that we have, but occasionally we get an opportunity like this to be able to to maybe serve uh, to, to let staff know, to let youth know that they have. Uh, people that love them and support them and we are so thankful uh, for Brian and Michelle and uh, what God is, how he's blessed his church with folks who have a call to work with youth and and love them and have a passion to do that and so we're grateful that we're here uh, that they're here who am I and what are we doing here Oh yeah, that's right. Also, uh, I just I just want to reach back just a minute. Uh, I know it's hard to believe. I walked across the stage a few minutes ago <laughs> and told Kevin. I said, I'm, I muttered something and uh, and uh, I know you're shocked. I, I was kind of overwhelmed with some emotion and uh, so I kind of put him on the spot. But he he pulled it off, didn't he? It was amazing. I thought that was amazing. Obviously, y'all didn't think so. Like, I hope he's not listening. It was it was amazing. It's one of the things I love about this church is, is that we we can in those moments when you just you know when God's just showing up in an unusual way, is is that we can just stay there if we want to, um, because that's really the reason that you come. You don't just come to do church to play church. Um, you don't come because that's what most of you have done every Sunday since you were kids. Um, most of you would say I don't have that in my background. So when you show up, you you show up to feel to experience the presence of God. And when we're in those moments. You know, I just think it's important for us to stay there for a minute, even if it's kind of awkward. I mean, we really don't care, do we? If it's awkward, it's okay. We'll just smile and say, bless his heart, and, and, we'll, and we'll just kind of move on. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate their willingness to always just do so, so much to just serve and serve so well. And so we just give them a hand. I would appreciate that if you would. So if you're brand new to Spring Wealth, this is like your first Sunday. Uh, we've been in a series, and we're talking about rest. But we're not talking about any kind of of rest. We're not like talking about physical rest or necessarily emotional uh, rest. We're we're talking about rest from this really deep, deep soul weariness. Now, sometimes you're really, really tired. Sometimes your soul is really weary, and sometimes you can point to the thing. You can point to the burden. And as soon as I said that, you said, you're exactly right. And so there's been a burden that maybe you've been carrying for a very... I'm not going to tell her. That it, he just pointed at his. He just pointed at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I love what we do here. This is so much fun. You can point to the burden. You can point to the emotional heartbreak. Uh, you know, you can point to the physical frailty. Sometimes, sometimes it's a physical thing. We'll be doing counseling next week just call us up an appointment and sometimes sometimes you can point to the consequences of sin right I mean for those of us that have struggled with some kind of addiction and for those of you that don't think that you're addicted then you're only lying to yourself you're addicted to something and for those of us that have struggled with addiction we feel like everybody struggles with something right absolutely and sometimes you know what you can just get tired Tired and weary when you've tried to overcome for year after year after year. And maybe those years have stretched into now it's 10 years, 15 years. And the heaviness of that can bring you to a place of weariness and tiredness that you can't quite put your finger on. It's deeper than anything you can describe. It's deep. Sometimes you can point to the thing and sometimes you can point to the person. Sometimes you can point to the person that you feel like is responsible for your weariness. And today we're going to talk about how to deal with overly needy people. And I have to be honest, I actually went back and changed the title of the message. To start with, it was on our topic calendar. It's still on our topic calendar It's just being needy people. And I thought, well, that's not quite right. You know, it's not just needy people. It's, it's overly needy people. And when I'm talking about overly needy people, I'm talking about people who are habitually in need. Are y'all feeling me at all? Well, I'm a little nervous about the message because I just felt like right out of the gate, somebody was going to be offended and say, well, what's the purpose of the church? Aren't we supposed to be here to take care of people who are in need? And aren't we all in some kind of need? And I would say, yes, we are. And I do believe with all of my heart that as followers of Jesus, that we are called by God to help people who are in need. We work hard to do that here. In fact, in the months to come, we've been working four months, and I want to present you with a a plan, hopefully maybe this fall, a a plan so that we can free up as much money as possible so that we can do more to meet the needs of people in our community. I mean, last December, we gave away almost, just in the month of December alone, we gave away almost $20,000. We just gave it away. So I just want to make sure that you hear me. I believe that every resource that we have available to us, we should use to meet the needs of people. But today, today I want to talk about overly needy people. And I'm talking about the kind of needy people that no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, it's never enough. And maybe, truth be told, it's mostly because of their bad decisions. And you know that it's mostly because of their bad decisions. They know that it's mostly because of their bad decisions. One author, I love this. One author, when I was studying for this, for this message, one author I found labeled them as emotional vampires. Come on, that'll set somebody free right there, won't it? Can I hear an Amen. Because these are people in your life, and you know it. You don't, maybe you don't want to admit it, but they're literally sucking the life out of you. Emotional vampires. They're the kind of people that when you don't respond to their text in a timely manner, and when I say timely manner, I mean immediately. They will respond to your non-response with something like, are you mad at me? <laughs> I mean, you must be mad. Did I do something wrong? Is everything Okay. Because you didn't immediately respond to me. I mean, like, they're the only person in the world. They have nowhere else the idea that you have a job, that there are other people, there are other needs. It's that they sent you a text and you didn't respond immediately, right? They're overly needy, overly sensitive people. They're the kinds of people who can constantly make a mountain out of a molehill. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everything is drama. I mean, they're drama kings, and they are drama queens. They use words like ever and never. Right? Ever. It's a big two-syllable word. They use words like never. You never. Right? Drama kings and queens are the people who are always in a financial need. And it doesn't matter how many raises they've had or how many breaks they've been given. There's always... A financial need. And they're always in a financial need because they're always making poor financial decisions. They're making poor financial decisions, but they feel like that it's the responsibility of everybody else in their lives to step up to the plate and help them with their financial needs. Right? Is this getting a little personal? And you know what really ticks me off? They'll come to you asking for money to help make a car payment and they drive a nicer car than you do. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all are nodding. You think, "Boy, I've been there, right?" I mean, they come to you saying, can "You help me, I got to pay my Mastercard cuz I charged $1,000, you know, at, at the buckle." I mean, they dressed and they dressed apart, they, the they looked apart, the and they're coming to you and they want you to finance it for them. They're always with a financial need. Because we're making one bad decision after the other, after the other, after the other. As a follower of Jesus, I want us to have a heart full of compassion for those who are in need, and I want us to f- fulfill God's call. Because I do believe that it is a call, and honestly, I believe that more than probably any other church I know of, it is a call on this church to meet as many needs of needy people as we possibly can. But can I be honest? Meeting the needs of needy people. Meeting the needs of overly needy people. Creates a tension. Here's how the tension plays out in my life as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus. I want to help somebody that's in need. I do. I want to help them. But I don't want to create a dependence for them on me. Now, can I be honest? Maybe early on in the ministry wasn't so bad that they needed me because I could be the man. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it, it was so cool when somebody would stand up and say, you know, Pastor Scott, he, 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 uh, he counseled with our marriage and saved our marriage. I'd say, preach it. <laughs> somebody else would stand up and say, I don't know where I would be if Scott hadn't done thus and such. And I'd say, preach it, brother. Preach it. Can we get your story on video? You know, Can we show that? Like, worldwide. When you have that need, but then suddenly what you realize is that it's too much for you to carry. And so what you learn is, I want to be able to meet a need, but there's this tension of, I don't want to create a dependence for them on me. And so I want to give the right amount of assistance, but not too much. And so it creates this, this tension between what's enough and what's too much. And then if I'm gut level honest, I would also say that it creates a tension between you and the person that you're trying to help, doesn't it? I mean, you can feel it. I mean, I think I'm doing enough. In fact, sometimes I think I'm doing plenty. In fact, sometimes I think I'm doing too much. But they never somehow think that you're doing enough. Come on, does anybody at all know what I'm talking about? So here's what happens. So then I start to feel guilty. Because they help me feel guilty. Absolutely. I mean, they say things. They say nasty things. Well, I can't believe. Well, you never. And so they start throwing those kinds of things. And so then it makes you feel guilty. But then, listen, here's what. Here's the damage that's done. It's not just guilt, it turns into shame. Because then I begin to doubt myself. I begin to look at who I am. That's why I need music like we sing here so much on Sunday that reminds me of who I am because I will believe the lies. Sometimes the lies are louder than the truth. And I need to be reminded that I'm a child of God and that He loves me and that He cares about me and I'm secure in His love because people will heap on you guilt. And then, then they'll make you feel shameful because if you're just, if you're just honest, You'll get an attitude about that person. I know you don't want to admit it. We're in church, this Sunday morning. But you'll think, help you my foot. <laughs> Driving that new car. Wish I had a new car, right? And then, and then what happens is you st- as you develop that attitude, then you start to feel shameful about who you are and the attitude that you possess. And then you take that guilt and you take that shame and you add all of that together and then it brings a tiredness, A weariness. You're just tired. It's the tension. So where's the balance? I'm so glad you asked. I want us to go to two passages of Scripture this morning. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9. And then we're going to look at Acts chapter 3. And what we're going to try to, to look at this morning is how do we navigate this tension? This tension that's going to exist. How do we remain... Full of compassion, wanting to help with everything that's in us. Wanting to do the right thing, but not wanting to do... How do we navigate that tension? Let's start with Matthew chapter 9. But when he saw the multitudes, he being Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. And that's a really, really, really important little phrase. Was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And that phrase, moved with compassion, really just comes from one... Greek word. Let me tell you what that Greek word means. That Greek word means from the intestines, from the bowels. It's nasty stuff. Are you with me? We don't like to talk about that in church, but it's that gut feeling, that thing that's deep down inside of you. In fact, if you go on, that word means this. It means deep from within a sympathy, an inward affection, and tender mercy. That's what it means. There is no word in the Greek there is no word in the Greek language that shows more intense internal compassion or tender mercy for those in need than this particular word and that describes Jesus. That there was no person who's ever lived that's been more moved with compassion for the needy than Jesus. But he did not heal every disease. And he did not re- he did not Grant every request. And and that's what causes us to struggle, isn't it? Why one and not another? It's because he's Jesus. And he knows. So what I can't do for you today is give you this cut dry. Here's what you do every single time for every single person who's in need or overly needy. Here's the thing you are going to have to trust your relationship with Jesus to the extent where you can hear the Holy Spirit when He whispers in your ear and tells you what you need to do. And if you're just out there willy-nilly, all on your own, trying to meet every need, then you're going to grow tired and extremely weary because that's not in the position that God has called you to. And maybe you'll be guilty of being like me in the beginning where suddenly you found a niche and it makes you feel good that you're needed and wanted and that you saved a marriage or you saved that person's life, literally. You're going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit. So as we try to help people, let's let's live with this tension of knowing that that God has to direct us each and every single time. Everybody's going to be different. So how do we navigate the tension? How do we navigate the tension? Well, first we have to learn to offer what they need, not what they want. You have to know. You have to learn. You have to listen to what they need, not what they want. Because when a person is in a state of being overly needy, what they actually may want may be the wrong thing. And there's a great example of this in Acts chapter 3. There's this guy who's been crippled since birth. And the only way that he could get by in life was by begging. And so he would show up at the temple gate every single day with his little cup, and he would say, I'm crippled. Would you please give me some money? Acts chapter 3, here's Peter's response. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he didn't give him what he wanted. He gave him what he needed. And there are going to be times when God is going to give us the wisdom to be able to look at a broken, hurting, needy person and to recognize what they need, not just what they want. The man wanted a handout, but Peter gave him a hand up. Come on, that's good right there, ain't it? That'll preach. Somebody write that down. That's all only one I got, sorry. I thought it was good. I worked on it for several weeks. The man wanted money. I don't have a rhyme. He wanted money, but what Peter gave him was a healing. And so you have to decide in those moments when you are dealing with overly needy people, you have to decide, am I going to be led by them or am I going to be led by God? And it's tough. It creates that tension, right? So let me give you a couple points to help you. First, you have to identify what the real need is. And so you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit, like I've said several times, to identify or reveal that need to you. For example... They may look at you, and I've, I've had this. I'm sure that you have too. I, what I need is I need you. I need you. I need more time spent with you. You know, I know that we're hanging out about three nights a week, you know, but I'd like to be able to do lunch too if it's all right. And, and I don't see anything wrong with breakfast on Saturday morning. I mean, I need you. And you may look at them and say, let me tell you what you need. You need some more friends. <laughs> That's good right there, write that down, that's good. And it's the truth. We you know what I love about Celebrate Recovery? I love about Celebrate Recovery is that Celebrate Recovery surrounds you with brothers and sisters in Christ. Literally, we call them stepbrothers and sisters so that you're doing life with a team of people. You walk in on Thursday night and you're looking at over 100 people that are struggling just like you and somebody else that can identify with your need, what you need. It's more friends. They may say, I want you to help me with my $400 car payment. What they need is a budget. And you may have to lovingly look at them and say, what you need is a $1,000 car paid for. That's what you need. Expecting me to help you with a $400 car payment, and you'll have to pray because the Holy Spirit won't tell you to say it quite like that. (laughs) They may say, this is tough. Because for those of us that have struggled to find, and the right word is our identity in Christ, but for me lately, for the last few years, it's not so much been my identity in Christ, it's been my security in the love of Christ. And for those of us that struggle with that, then we're going to get drawn in, sucked into these relationships that are unhealthy, and so what what we may need to look at them and say, here, here's the thing, it's not me that makes you feel special. What you've got to do is find how special you are to the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. That's, that's what's going to make the difference for you. And when I cannot be there for you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will be a friend that will stick closer than a brother. You're going to have to learn to offer what they need and not what they want. Second really practical point, I think. Is you got to pay attention to their actions, not just their words. you got to pay attention to their actions, not just the words. For, for example, they may say, I need a good job. But their actions, you ain't even look for a job. What do you mean you need a good job? You have to apply. you got to put out a resume. Believe it or not, they're just not going to come by your house. Probably not going to send you a text on Monday morning. Gee, we heard about you. Would you please come to work for us? That's probably not going to happen. What they, they may say, I, you know, I just can't, can't find a job. When you know of three fast food restaurants that are within a walk of their house. And so what they're telling you is that's beneath me. I literally have had people look at me and say, well, I don't, why would I go down there and work? I, I mean, I might only bring home $100 a week. And I've looked at people and said, if I've got $100 in this hand and nothing in this hand, which one would you rather have? Hello, are you, come on, are you with me? what you may have to look at them and say is you need to humble yourself so we need to look at their actions not just their words and so how do we navigate this tension of helping overly needy people first you have to offer them what they need and not what they want and second oh I wish I had learned this I didn't I didn't learn this until it was way way too late for me this, this is huge I'm going to say it and you're going to go that's nothing it, it is, it is something. You have to learn to set boundaries. You got to learn to set boundaries. I didn't set boundaries. I thought I was going to be super pastor and work first, second, and third shift. I remember, oh man, I remember uh, about two o'clock one morning I was coming home and I, y'all. I used to wear these big, ugly. You know, y'all would go to the gym with the big, ugly, baggy, look like MC Hammer pants? I had I had I had I had some of those on, and I had a sweatshirt that matched because I looked good, and uh, and it was two o'clock in the morning, and I had just left this guy, and so I had I had some acid with me, about two sheets of acid. Some of y'all don't even know what that is, and that's probably really good. Others of you know. And so then I had I don't know another uh, baggie of all kind of assorted pills. I think most of it were Quaaludes, and then and then I had about a, I don't know nickel dime bag of pot, and I crossed over twenty nine. I was on fourteen. I crossed over twenty nine. And I saw a police officer. And the thought hit me. Now if he pulled me over because I didn't I didn't like had this in my trunk. I had it in my front seat. It wasn't mine. To which every officer, that's exactly what they say. Oh, I don't know. It's not mine, sir. <laughs> I don't know where that dope came from. You know, it's not mine. And I, re- I remember, and I thought, man, you know, I work first, second, and third shift. And I've been out at 2 o'clock in the morning and 3 o'clock in the morning. And I've said some ugly things to people. I remember one guy said, well, I- I- I'm going to be at church in the morning. I said, oh, yes, you will. You've kept me out. I've been here from 2 till 5. Oh, you'll be at church. His mama said, no, he's tired. I said, tired or not, he will. And I said some other stuff. Y'all don't need to know about that. And he, he was at church. <laughs> he didn't come back the next week, but he was at church that Sunday. I, I didn't set boundaries. Let me give you this first description because it's really, really powerful. It's Mark chapter 1. It's verse 35. Then when the morning, having risen a long, a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And just so you know that he there is Jesus And here's the thought that occurred to me. If Jesus, who was the Son of God, needed time to get away and to hang out with his daddy, how much more do I need it? And over the years, quite honestly, it's where I've learned to draw my strength and to find my security of knowing who loves me. Because when you're trying to, to minister to people that are overly needy, you will walk away feeling lonely. A lot of the time. You will feel like a loser a lot of the time. You, you, you will allow them to place guilt and shame on you that God never intended unless you're spending time, unless you find the security in your relationship with Him. It'll never be enough. It never will. And then last, certainly not least, if I'm going to help overly needy people without losing my mind, this one's really, really tough. I'm going to have to learn and allow them at times to experience the consequences of their own decisions and actions and sin. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh, weep corruption. He who sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit, reap everlasting life. One of the most loving things that you can do for somebody who is really, really needy is to not interrupt God's natural consequences to wrong decisions. Um, We do a lot of recovery here. We always have. It's just what we do. It's what I do. It's what I've always done. I guess that's where I came from. One of the most difficult things for us to do is is to allow somebody to to hit bottom. Listen to me. If, If you keep rescuing them, then their bottom has to go a little lower next time. And there literally have been times for me when I've looked at somebody and I've thought, Wow, I better stop. I better, what's what's it going to cost next time? And it's hard when there's people that you love, when it's people that, you know, that you just, it's an acquaintance, it's not as big a deal, is it? But when it's the people, when it's family, when it's people that that you love and you have so much invested in, but sometimes the best thing that you can do is look at them and say, you know what, I can't, I can't, I won't do it anymore. I've got to allow God to work here. And I've been, trying, I've been trying to take the place of a Savior, and I'm not the Savior. And guess what? Now you understand why you're so weary and why you're so tired and why it goes so deep. You're, you're t- your soul is tired because you've been trying to fulfill a role that God never intended for you to fulfill. And that is the role of Savior. Let God be God. Let God work. Do what God calls you to do. When God doesn't call you to do it anymore, don't feel the guilt or the shame. Some of us are really, really tired. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who are weary, who carry these heavy burdens, come to me and let me give you Rest, and this, this is not just any kind of rest. This, this specifically, study it, go home, dig into it, look at it. This is not just a physical rest. This is not just an emotional rest. He specifically here is talking about a soul rest. Some of us need some rest from some overly needy people. You've been trying to be the Savior and you're just wore out. And so it's easy, stop it. You're standing in the way of what God needs to do in somebody else's life. Let God be God. Walk with Him as close as you know how. Listen to His voice. Know what He's telling you to do in every given situation. You'll have to rely on Him. You've just taken on more than God ever intended for you to. And you know what? You're just tired. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. So for those of you this morning that would just be gut level honest and say I'm just tired I'm really really tired your soul's tired you're tired deep down inside and maybe you'd say you know what I've just been trying to help overly needy people and maybe maybe if you were just gut level honest you would say you know what I've, at times I've been trying to be the savior I had to take God's place and I'm weary I'm tired and I just need you to pray for me every head's bowed every eye's closed you just slip up your hand oh man that's so sweet Lord uh, I know what it's like to be tired soul tired Lord. deep down tired So, Lord, I pray for these folks. God, it's hard. Lord, there's people that we love, and God, we have to struggle with that tension of what's enough, what's too much. Wow, God, it's hard. And then, Lord, it's, you know, with people that we love, it's, it's even more difficult. And then, God, it creates this tension. It creates a tension with you, and if we hear you, can we hear you? Did you say what we thought you said? And then, Lord, it creates tension with the people that we're trying to help. Lord, we just find ourselves in a mess and we're just wore out. Lord, for those folks that slipped up their hand, God, I do pray with all of my heart that you will just help them to find their rest in you because that's where it comes, God. I know for me personally, Lord, it is nothing but me hanging out with you. That's the only place I find my rest. I find security in the love that you have for me. The lies become louder than the truth man I just have to rely on you every head's still bowed every eye's still closed maybe there's someone here that you love deeply who's hurting right now maybe they've made a lot of bad decisions maybe they're in some unhealthy cycles and you hurt for them so if, if that's you and you say you know Scott will you just help me pray for that person whoever that person is in your life will you just slip up your hand wow well, Lord um, there are folks that have a heavy heart for people that are needy so Lord our prayer is going to be right now those those people probably not even here today Lord uh, but our prayer would be is that you would overwhelm those folks God that you would surround them with your love that you would your love God just your love God they could understand the power of your love what it means to be a son or a daughter of God so Lord we pray for those folks Others of us in this place, if we're just gut-level honest, you know what? We are those overly needy people. You are in need. And, and this message has been really tough for you. And you've just thought like, wow, man, I'm that person. I'm that person that has drained other people. And I just want you to know that, that you matter, that you're important, that God loves you, that He's crazy about you and that He wants to step into your life and to meet those needs. What you need is Him. It's not another friend here. It's, it's, it's Jesus. I mean, I know that sounds like the religious thing to say on a Sunday morning, but it is the truth. So if you're like one of those overly needy people, nobody's looking around, could you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you? Y'all look up here for a minute. I love this place. I love it because because overly needy people can raise their hand and say, I'm one of those people, you know, and I'm I'm an emotional vampire. I'm just sucking the life out of people in my life. And and I I don't know of many places that you could go that people could be that gut-level honest. And so will y'all help me? Can we just, like, as a group, as a family, can we just pray for those folks? I'm not going to embarrass them. I'm not going to have them to raise their hand so you can see who they are. Some of y'all were cheating. I saw you. And you're going to leave here bald-headed. Pray every hair in your head falls out. you do it, I'm just kidding. Let's pray for those folks. Lord, uh, there were brave, brave people that slipped up their hands just a few minutes ago to say, God, they are one of those overly needy people. They recognize it, Lord. Lord, what we do not want to happen today is for them to walk out of this place you know, feel like they got beat up. But Lord, that they would feel loved, that they're important, they matter. And God, that there are people in their lives that do love them, but Lord, that most of all, that you love them. And God, I just pray right now, I don't even know how you do that, but you just step into their lives. Whisper in their ear, tell them that you love them. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus. And your soul is tired. Your soul's tired and it's weary because you've been looking for everything else to meet a need that only God can meet. And so you're here this morning, and just by the fact that you're here, is you know that you've been searching. And so if that's you and you say, you know what, I'm not a follower of Jesus, and I'm tired, my soul's tired and I'm ready right now just to surrender my life to Jesus so if that's you maybe you just pray a prayer something like this right there in your seat just quietly silently. maybe you'd say Heavenly Father I know that my greatest need is you so I just acknowledge that you are the Son of God and I thank you for your love I know you're alive and well thank you for your love for me And so I just ask you to forgive me of my sin. I surrender my life to you. Fill me with the Spirit, God, so I can spend the rest of my life serving you. Lord, you're amazing. Thank you for your word, Lord, that gives us direction. Lord, for those of us that our hearts are heavy when we want to do a really good job of meeting the needs of needy people and overly needy people, then we're going to need you to help us because we can't do it on our own. Help us to be able to navigate the tension, to hear from the Holy Spirit as you speak to us and allow you to be the Savior and not us. We love you. It's in your sweet name that we pray.